It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now here's your host, Ted Ramey. Around the boards and out, Coyotes are going to win it. Comes back to center, Connor Darling all over, and that's it. What a finish and what a huge two points they come from two down. Patrick Marlowe has tied Gordie Howe's all-time NHL games played record, amassing 1,767 NHL games over his historic career that includes 566 goals, 1,196 points, and three all-star appearances. Wild fans, let's hear it for Patrick Marlowe and this incredible milestone. There are about 3,000 fans in attendance. Great announcement over the PA, and Patrick Marlowe is just taking it all in right now. Yeah, I think when you get recognized like that, and you know, not only your team standing up for you, but uh, the other buildings fans cheering for you, and um, and the other team doing it, it uh, yeah, it hits home. It's definitely humbling to for them to, to show their support uh, for me. All right, good morning, everyone. We had the Coyotes getting a big 3-2 win over the Blues, followed by Patrick Marlowe and his big moment, bringing us in here on Morning Tide. Before I get into the game and obviously what we saw last night, I do just want to speak to the accomplishments of Patrick Marlowe, uh, just because it is, it is such... I mean, I, I look at it this way. I was a freshman in high school when Patrick Marlowe started playing. And I thought it was cool because he wasn't that much older than us. You know, he was 18 years old. And I did a quick bit of research, and this has not been 1,000% confirmed, but when he made that debut back on October 1st of 1997, he was 18 years old and 16 days, which was the youngest for any player in the NHL since Lee Wharton debuted at 17 years old, 81 days, back in 1945 for the Rangers. And when you're 15 years old, that's a very impressionable age. I mean, that's still when you're worshiping sports stars as heroes. They're larger than life. They are these figures that don't really have distinct meaning. And especially back then, a name like Gordy Howe, and even to me now, just because I didn't get to see him play in person, that's a mythical figure. You know, when you hear about sports legends in our culture, you hear about Gordie Howe, or you hear about Babe Ruth, or you hear about Wilt Chamberlain, or you hear about whoever it's going to be, these names, they're spoken about with such reverence and such respect that you can't really, it's hard to make comparisons when you didn't see them in person. But now we are all witnessing what Marlowe is doing in terms of tying and eclipsing Gordie Howe's record. And you just have to think 
for a second about what that represents because there are certain records in sports you don't really think of how they are or if they are ever going to be broken. I mean, when someone had presented Gordie Howe's record a couple years back and said Patrick Marlowe had a chance, it's kind of like, I don't know, that's a lot of games. But then Patrick Marlowe just keeps on going and keeps on going, and suddenly it becomes more of a potential reality. And you look at some of the other names that are on that list, and it's just, I mean, not only do you have to stay healthy, you have to be good. You can't get out there on the ice for that long in that many games unless you are one of the all-time talents in the in the NHL. I mean, that's just what I keep on thinking about. And to hear the comparison of a Gordie Howe to a Patrick Marlowe and think about those names and what they mean to the sport and what they mean to the sports culture here in our society, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. I'll be 100% honest. It's, it's really, really hard for me to try and take it all in, and it's something that you can only do with experience. And I, I go back to thinking about Cal Ripken Jr., you know, when he broke the Ironman streak in baseball, which, by the way, you know, Patrick Marlowe, he'll be playing his 900th consecutive game coming up. I mean, it's just there's so much history. There's so much that goes into making these records that you have to kind of sit back and remove yourself from the situation of watching a team night in, night out and trying to figure out what this really means about what Patrick Marlowe has been able to accomplish over the course of his career. And immediately you don't know who is ever going to be able to break this record. Who are, Who's going to be the next one? Because you never thought Patrick Marlowe would be the guy who would come up and break this record. I mean, even if guys do start at 18 years old, you still don't assume they're going to be around for the next quarter century. I've been watching the Sharks since the moment they came into existence. I have seen a lot of special moments. I have been in the building for a lot of special moments. I try to recognize everything that I've been able to witness and how fortunate I am. And there's a lot of things that I have seen, especially in person, that register, especially emotionally. And I was thinking about what it means for Patty to be doing this in a shark sweater, and it took me back to training camp in 2019 before the start of the 2019-2020 season, which seems like ages ago because that was before the pandemic. And I was at Shark's Ice. I was going to do an interview with Pete DeBoer. I did an interview with Logan Couture. And I walked in and skating around there on the ice were a couple of guys. And I looked over on the far side of the rink kind of from where I was. And I said, who is that wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater? It was a warm-up or, or a practice one, but I just, it took me a second. I was like, who the, and then it hit me that it was Patrick Marlowe. And it was something about seeing him in person wearing that warm-up sweater and not wearing Sharks gear because he, at that point, was a free agent. He hadn't signed with anybody. It would be a couple games into the Sharks season before he signed with them. And I found it genuinely upsetting to not see him wear a Sharks practice uniform or just not wearing Sharks gear, but to see him representing another franchise. And I just, I remember it just kind of, it threw me off. I'll be, I'll be honest. And I never expected anything like that to throw me off. And then a couple of weeks later, he's back in a Sharks uniform and he scored two goals in his first game back and everything felt right again. But I think if there was ever a moment where I really appreciated what Patrick Marlowe meant to the San Jose Sharks, it's not the ovations that I saw him get. It's not the accomplishments that he had on the ice. It, it was the sight of him in this casual nature before a practice, before a season started, just being Patrick Marlowe himself. And the most recent team he had played for, that was the practice or warm-up equipment he was wearing. And obviously, I had seen him with Toronto not wearing the shark sweater, and it didn't strike me as odd because I knew that was how careers go. Guys can't stay in one place forever. He wanted to go someplace else. That was purely, I was fine with that. I mean, I didn't like the fact that he left the Sharks. 
But this is a profession. Sometimes guys have to go elsewhere. It's not a personal thing. Very similar to how I feel about Jumbo. But in that moment, that was when it really maybe sunk in because I'd been watching him since I was 15 years old as a professional because I can't remember a time when I wasn't watching Patty Marlowe. I can't remember a time when we weren't getting the opportunity to see him play. It's fascinating to think back on where I was in 1997 as a person, a 15-year-old kid in high school, to where now I'm a 38-year-old man and I have children of my own and I have a family and I'm able to show them and share with them the things that I'm able to do working in my profession. And, you know, it's death taxes Patrick Marlowe. And anytime we're presented with history like this, especially as it pertains to longevity and the passage of time, you are able to reflect, you are able to think back on the moments, you are able to try and put into perspective just what this means in terms of, you know, how long he's been playing and what he's been able to do. And I still, like I said, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it, but I'm going to continue to try and do so. And I urge you to do the same. Just think about where you were back in 1997. Think about who you were in 1997. Think about who you were in 2007. Think about who you were in 2013. Think about who you were in 2016 when he helped the Sharks get to their first Stanley Cup final. Think about who you are now in 2021, living in what we hope is the tail end of a pandemic that forever altered the course of human history. At some point over that passage of time, you were watching Patrick Marlowe play hockey, and you still are. So congratulations to Patty for tying the all-time record, and I look forward to him standing alone on Monday night when the Sharks take on Vegas. And we have learned that the Sharks are starting to open up and be able to take fans back at SAP Center. Obviously, it is not going to be the same as having a packed house, giving him the ovation he deserves for his accomplishments and what he has meant to the league as well as the Sharks franchise specifically. But you appreciate that he will get that moment of recognition at some point that we are moving in the right step as a society to get fans back into the building and give him the moment he deserves. He had a great moment last night, and I have a lot of respect for the fans in Minnesota for giving him that moment, but I look forward to when he can have it in San Jose with the people who have been watching him for the last quarter century. Now, as for the Sharks themselves, we will start this morning after the loss to the Wild last night, the fifth straight loss for the San Jose Sharks. They are still somehow within striking distance. I know that it is looking less and less likely that the Sharks will be able to rise and get into the playoffs, but as it stands right now, they are in sixth in the West with 40 points, four points back of St. Louis with 44 points, and five points back of Arizona with 45 points. As you heard when we were coming in, Arizona able to hold on for a wild 3-2 win over St. Louis last night. And man, what a frustrating game for a second consecutive night for the Sharks because they came out, played a good first period once again, came out with the necessary intensity, go up one nothing, only to get just absolutely swamped by the Wild after that point. They come on with three goals. What was it, in 72 seconds or something like that? You thought two and 65 seconds was bad the night before? Oh yeah, the Wild weren't done. They were going to paste three in 72 seconds and suddenly it was just... The game was over at that point, and you know, you're chasing a game at that point when you're down early, doesn't look good, suddenly the fatigue set in. I really didn't even know what to think, because at the start of that game, the Sharks were playing pretty well, and things looked like it was going in their direction, and they were putting forth a good effort, and then it reminded me of early in the year, when they would go up by a goal, or sometimes go up by two goals early, and then just have a complete collapse. 
Watching the Sharks right now, the opposition is going to hammer every single mistake they make. Every single mistake the Sharks make, there is an opportunity for that to turn into a goal, and the opposite is not true. When the opposition makes a mistake, the Sharks are not able to capitalize. They are not able to put one in the back of the net. They are not able to take a step forward in the game, shift momentum, start to dictate things. They are simply not good enough. And to watch it happen to them time and time again over this five-game losing streak, whereas it felt before they were shooting themselves in the foot and not playing a detail-oriented, hard-working, nearly perfect game, it was one thing to see it do it to themselves. Now, to see these mistakes just get absolutely hammered by the opposition, it's a little depressing, I gotta admit. And when Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc are having bad games and Bob Bugner is changing things to see if he can get a spark, I mean, it seems like right now this is the death rattle of the San Jose Sharks, and I don't want it to be the death rattle. I want this to go down to the final week of the season and to see them fight for a spot. And every time this team has seemed out of it this year, they have been able to find a response. They have been able to find a reaction. But right now it's it's bad and it's getting worse, and it's not what you expected to see from this team. And you hope that they are able to rectify things, but obviously the task doesn't get any easier now going to Las Vegas for two games. My hope is that they are able to rebound, that they are able to come forth with a better performance and play a cleaner game, play a more involved game, play a cleaner game, and play with the necessary intensity and energy from the first minute of the game to the final minute of the game because that complete performance has eluded the Sharks. And that's been something that we've seen all year long. That complete performance has not been there. It's been very few and far between. It's been hard to find those 60-minute efforts all year. And right now, when they need it more than ever, it seems like it has never been more hard or difficult for them to find. And you just wonder what the reaction is going to be on a day off like today. Will their bodies get right? Will they be able to shake off the five straight losses and get their head in a good place? And I know that we're all talking about Patty Marlowe and the NHL is talking about this and the guys that are on the team, Patty himself, they all appreciate the accomplishment. Priority number one is for them to win. It is not on celebrating Patty. And I know that that's not the impression they're giving in public right now because you want Patty to have his moment, but Patty himself, they're all focused on winning. Personal accomplishments are always great. No one's ever going to deny that, but this is a team and they're all trying to take those necessary steps to be better when they perform on the ice, to get into the playoffs, to stay in the fight, to improve themselves from one game to the next. Right now, the Sharks are in a slide and they are much more focused on getting out of that, snapping that losing streak, improving their game than they are focused on the personal accomplishments of Patrick Marlowe. And that is not meant in any way, shape, or form as a sense of disrespect from the teammates toward Patty. Because I'm sure Patty is thinking, okay, this is great, let's move on and get back to trying to win some games. Because that's how you persevere. You don't focus on yourself. You focus on your role with the team. How can you personally improve to make the team better? That's why Patty has played wherever he is needed, whenever he is needed, whatever he is asked to do this year. He's been on the second line. He's been on the fourth line. He's on the power play. He's out there doing whatever he is asked to do to help the team get a win. And if there is a lesson to any of the younger Sharks right now who are not playing up to snuff, it's to look at him and say he is doing whatever it takes to get out there on the ice to help this team in any capacity. That's how you stick around for a quarter century. 
Certainly doesn't hurt to be one of the most natural and gifted skaters in the history of the game, but there have been a lot of gifted skaters. There have been a lot of guys who have had incredible physical skill sets. For Patty Marlowe, it's the mental game. It's the engagement. It's the hard work. It's punching the clock and coming in and treating it like a job. He's there to work. He's not there to celebrate himself. And right now, everybody on the Sharks needs to look at that mentality and then look at themselves in the mirror, figure out how they can apply that to helping the Sharks get a win and snap this now five-game losing streak. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into post-game reaction on the other side. You're on Morning Tide. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. You know what, if you're here, you ask me, I think that's a... Sort of beating ourselves there on the, on the second game against LA, and then it leaked into Anaheim, where you know we ran into a, a hot goalie, and we're making the, mis- the big mistakes right now that are ending up in the back of our net uh, against Anaheim. Uh, we had 48 shots, I think, against Stolarz. He was he was pretty good that night, and then you know we just you lose confidence as a team right now, and I think that's exactly what happened. We got out to a one nothing lead here today. This is one of the best home teams in the league, and you know we kill a penalty one second ago, and they sling it off our skate. Second one is a bad decision uh, at the blue at the offensive blue line by Carlson. It's in the back of our net off a guy's chest, and uh, you know third goal is a soft goal. It's uh, not even a scoring chance. So now you're down three one. You're chasing the game, and that seems to be the pattern. Uh, uh, the, the goals against in succession. It, they they're happening too quick back to back together, and um, instead of regrouping and and uh, um, you know and holding them to just that one. Welcome back to Morning Tide, and as you heard Bob Bugner saying it there, when the Sharks make a mistake, they are being punished for it right now. They are being hammered for it right now. There is an emotional letdown that is happening as well. You can see the shoulders slump. The Sharks go up one right there, and then there's a little bit too much of a relaxation, and then suddenly in 72 seconds, the Wild put three pucks in the back of the net, and it certainly felt like it was over at that point. Although we had two more periods to play, I did not watch that Sharks team and think that there was a comeback left in them. It just looked like they were emotionally exhausted. And maybe that's the whole arc of the year right now with the weird start, with the fact that they have had so many ups and downs, with the fact that they cannot catch a break right now when it feels like you do so many things right, only to have that mistake come back and bite you in the ass. That has an effect on a team. That has an effect on a psyche. That has an effect on everything that's out there on the ice because it's like I have said before, putting in hard work, you expect to be rewarded for it. And right now, even when the Sharks are doing things right, I look at the end of the second period when the Sharks were playing some of their best hockey of the game. And really the last couple of weeks, they were pinning the wild in their own end, getting multiple opportunities, playing with fire, playing with just overall everything you wanted to see from them and thinking maybe they can get themselves back into this game. And suddenly it turns into a wraparound goal. And you're like, are you kidding me? Did I seriously just watch the Sharks play great hockey for minutes on end? Seemed like they were 
were fighting and trying to get themselves back into this game only to have it turned into a goal being scored against them? I mean, I think about how that is for us as a viewer. I can only imagine how it is for Bob Bugner, his staff, and every single member of the Sharks team. The frustration levels have got to be through the roof. For two consecutive games now, the Sharks have taken a lead only to see it disappear with a flurry of goals from the opposition. Brent Burns. No, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's confidence. I think it's, you know, the momentum definitely starts swinging, but you know, it's, it's always, it doesn't matter if you score or you get scored on that next shift is always big. So you want to make sure you, you play good details that next shift and, uh, and try to either get the momentum back or, or keep the momentum. So, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I mean, obviously we're struggling here to, to get some wins and so I think guys maybe squeezing the sticks to try to create but there's no it's it's just trying to get the momentum back and and stop stop their momentum as quick as you can and that's your details and execution and yeah and that's about as frustrated as I've heard Brent Burns all year long. And I think that that overall accumulation of the frustration and the way the five-game slide is going right now, if it's wearing on Brent Burns, it is wearing on everyone because Burns puts on a pretty good face for the media usually. And to hear the frustration bleeding through like that, you know it's having an impact on the team. And Burns was also asked how you stay positive in the midst of all this losing. I don't think you do. I mean, you just work. You got to work to get out of it. So I think that's uh, that's the answer. You got to work. You got to play detail game. You got to play for each other and, uh, and get out of it. It's just your work. But like I keep on alluding to, it feels like the good and positive work the Sharks are doing right now is not yielding results. And so beyond the X's and O's, that puts the onus on Bob Bugner of how he is going to find the right motivation for these guys. And not that they need any extra motivation. These are professionals, but he's got to figure out how he can get these guys to perform in light of what feels like an avalanche against them right now. We've been doing a lot of one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one meetings. We've been doing a lot of team meetings. You know, what I can control is ice time. I can control who plays and who doesn't play, um, you know, and, and, and after that I can have, you know, as many meetings as I want in leaders meetings but there has to be some accountability and uh, um, you know and I think that uh, at, at the end of the day we need uh, a better all-around team effort um, and that starts from your goaltending on out we can't allow a soft goal every night we're not a team that can rebound off a soft goal every night that's got to get better our power play has got to get better um, there's a lot of things that can improve but uh, it starts with the guys coming together and, and uh, um, you know and, and not uh, you know not getting flustered after a goal against and, and just uh, you know keep the next one out and, and just play our game and you know again yesterday I thought there was a major improvement in our game you know we didn't get the two points today I didn't mind our start and and just you know there's that 10 15 10 minutes where it just goes bad and those are those are the minutes we got to eliminate and we got to play more of a um you know a, a smart hockey game one of the other big questions coming out of this game was the downward movement in terms of lines for both Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc yeah, well, they were both horrible in the first period. Um, and they didn't deserve to play in the top six or the top nine for that matter. So I uh, just made a decision after the first period, if you're not ready to play, put both those guys on the same line then and um, let them try and figure it out down there. You know, and that was disappointing for me, especially at the importance of the games. And, uh, you know, that first, that, that second goal against, even though Carly stood in the line, uh, you know, Timo was supposed to cover him and turn the wrong way. And those are the details we just, if, you, if you're not going to commit to, you're just not going to, uh, you know, play in the positions that, uh, that you want. One. And, uh, you know, there's there's a, there, we had a couple passengers early and it's unacceptable, you know, and, and those are just two of them. 
You know, at this point, Bugner is running out of option. As you heard him allude to earlier, the only thing that he controls is ice time. And whether he has these meetings, whether the leadership gets together, however he's working to motivate these guys, ultimately it comes down to how much engagement and effort they're showing out there on the ice. And if Bugner perceives guys as not being good enough, then I'm going to trust his instincts in terms of how he is moving them downward. The real question is whether or not these guys are going to respond. And I talked about it yesterday. You know, Timo Meyer, inconsistency in his game. Sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. There have been a couple games where Kevin LeBanc has looked more than a step slow. Obviously, this guys are these guys are on the younger end of their career. I think they do have great potential, and we have seen them have great and impactful performances over the course of the year, but it's got to be consistent. It can't be just there for one game and then disappear for a few games. It's got to be night in, night out. And I think that with Timo Meyer in particular, because he is a bigger, stronger, faster guy, he is a power forward, you are excited expecting him to have an impact on each and every game. You're expecting that physicality to change the dynamic on the ice. And far too often, we just haven't been seeing that. And I think that it's out there for him to engage. I think it's out there for him in his capability to be one of the more impressive and, again, impactful players on the ice in every single game. I just don't know why it's not happening right now. And he could be dealing with an injury that I'm not aware of, and he could be dealing with who knows what. But for him, because of the potential he has, you feel like it hurts more when it's not there out on the ice, when it's not, you know, when he's not finishing his checks, when he's not using his body, when he's not using every available asset that he has, because he has so much availed to him. When we look at the ceiling of Timo Meyer, I think we see a guy who is capable of scoring 35 to 40 goals, or at least that's how I used to feel about him. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the league is adjusted. I don't know if guys have figured out his game. I don't know why he isn't finishing and finding the back of the net with the same consistency that he was earlier in his career. And obviously there has been inconsistency in terms of what the league has been over the past two years because of the coronavirus. But I can make all the excuses for him in the world that I want to. I know how good he can be. He knows how good he can be, and it's up to him to figure out how he is going to have an impact on each and every game that he plays in just because when he does play like that, the Sharks have a really good chance to win. And when he doesn't, as you saw last night, it is certainly not helping things. After the loss, LeBanc weighed in on the message that was being sent from Bugner. You know, just work hard, I think, and, uh, you know, just work hard, I think, and uh, yeah, play hard every game. And credit to LeBanc for facing the music after a rough performance, but I think you can hear it in his voice. He knows what he needs to do. He knows that there was a bit of a public shaming going on with Bob Bugner demoting him in the midst of the game. And for what he is supposed to be for this team and for how important Kevin LeBanc is for this team, I think he was pretty frustrated and pretty upset at that point. And you just hope that this is what the team needs to get out of this, that there is going to be a little bit of that spark, that there is going to be a little bit of that anger that bleeds over in terms of a performance. Because Bugner, he's been good all year long at pushing the right buttons. And I think over the course of this losing streak, he has been a little bit more reserved and removed to try and let the guys figure things out. But I think the way that it devolved over the course of that game last night He's now going to the bigger guns. He is now going to the more, I'm not going to say nuclear option, but this is something that will have people thinking and talking about their positions and roles with the team. You know, the, the difference is very small. So when when there's little things that are off, execution is not there. You know, sometimes it looks it looks a lot worse than, you know, the difference between teams are, you know, and I, and I think our team, we have to play an extremely detailed, hardworking game every game to be to be in them and, and, and win those games. And, and if it's a little bit off, 
it's it's going to look and feel like that. I think what Burns is saying there is that the team isn't that far off, but they are not good enough to not play a nearly perfect game. And then when they do make those mistakes, other teams are hammering them. Here's Patty talking about how the detail and confidence can return to the Sharks game. It's about putting in the work and playing the system the right way. I think uh, when you do that, you do all the little details and uh, you'll eventually get rewarded for it. And that's where the confidence comes comes in. And, you, you know, you're playing with the puck and, you know, playing the right way with your teammates. Uh, you you feel you get the momentum going in the right direction and, and you can, you know, build the confidence that way. And Patty knows, right? You think about how many situations he's been in over the course of his career, the ups and downs, ebbs and flow. If there's anything Patrick Marlowe has experienced over the course of his career, it's everything. And the experience that he has, his emotional stability and maturity, that's what's going to help the Sharks get out of this. Here's Kevin LeBanc on the veterans. Funny how huh? the veterans actually come to you and they're the ones that are saying, you know, keep your head up, you know, make sure you're keep working hard when you need you. And, you know, that's why they're the veterans. You don't necessarily need to go to them. They kind of come to you if you're ever down in the dumps. So uh, my first period wasn't the best. And, you know, I think I battled back for the second and third. So I just have to keep fighting. And, you know, we all have to keep fighting and give ourselves a shot at playoffs. And I know that in terms of veteran leadership, Patrick Marlowe is more of a lead by example guy, but I am sure that if he sees something, he is going to say something. Same thing with Logan Couture. Same thing with Eric Carlson. Same thing with whoever it is going to be on this Sharks leadership core. They are not going to be shy in looking to some of the younger guys and saying to them what they see and how they can improve their game. And that's one of the things that I believe is a strength for the Sharks right now. And you look at other teams around the NHL that have had massive collapses. I don't think a five-game losing streak is a massive collapse. I think that can happen to any team over the course of an 82-game season. When it is an abbreviated season like this, and this represents nearly 10% of the schedule, it's a bit more painful. It's a bit more impactful. It's a bit more damaging. However, as we pointed to at the start, the Sharks are not out of this. I know that everyone is going to look at this and say, Ted, you're being hopeful. You're being, you know, unrealistic. The math doesn't have them out. There's still a good amount of hockey to be played and anything can happen. And the Sharks, if they are due for anything right now, it is a correction because they are not a team that loses five straight, including those losses to the LA teams. What they need to do now is bounce back against Vegas. They have not defeated them yet this year. There is no better time for them to get a win against Vegas. But what does that take against one of the best teams in the NHL? Attention to detail, effort from the minute the puck hits the ice. Can't let in soft goals. And more than anything, you can't keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over. Especially against a team like Las Vegas that does so well to punish mistakes in particular. But that is the task at hand for the Sharks. And right now, even though it's a five-game losing streak, they are still within striking distance of that fourth and final spot in the West. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will be back with you on Tuesday morning after the Sharks take on Vegas in game one of that series. Patrick Marlowe makes history. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.